Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. Bam, and we're live. Welcome, boys and girls and listener land around the world to this Facebook Live episode 16 of the Relators Podcast with my friend, Karen Walker. Karen Walker is a consultant, author, and advisor to CEOs and senior leaders. She helps her clients grow their companies with successful outcomes that include IPOs, acquisitions, market share increases, and significant leadership development. Her clients include Inc. 500 startups and Fortune 500 firms. Her work helps senior leaders create internal strategies that support their organization's external growth. And she is the author of the most recently published book, No Dumbing Down. No Dumbing Down, a no-nonsense guide for CEOs on organization growth. No Dumbing Down is a book for a company's senior most leaders. It teaches them how to do a job only they can do aligning the organization's internal and external strategies for profitable, sustainable growth. Why do leaders need this guidance? It's simple. The problem is misunderstanding what it takes to grow. Prior to launching her consultancy, Karen was employee number 104 at Compaq Computer, then the fastest growing company in America, in, in, in American, and the fastest to $1 billion in revenue. In her 14 years as VP Operating Services, she helped spur the creation for more than $15 billion, I repeat, $15 billion in value. She resides in Jupiter, not the planet, but Jupiter, Florida, although she can often be found aloft in seat to see. Karen, that's an LLC. Are you an LLC person? I am an ILC person, although occasionally I find myself on the window and I remember how good it is, but I definitely prefer the aisle. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think leaders sit in the aisle. I think I think, so I think that's a thing. Yeah, you don't want to have to climb over anybody, right? So. No, you, you, well, you want to be ready to help. You know, if, if there's something going yep. on, you got you to take up and be a leader, I guess. I guess. But Karen, tell me about it. No dumbing down. What, oh, what's going on yeah. here with the book? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, no Dumbing Down uh, has come out of both my experience at Compaq uh, many years ago when I really had, it was just a great fortune to be able to be there and be part of the leadership team during that amazing period of growth. Um, but also the last 20 years or so of my consultancy and all the clients that I've worked with. And I just began to see over and over again that one of the biggest reasons that organizations' internal and external strategies got misaligned, uh, and so there was a lot of potential left on the table in terms of performance, uh, was because of something um, that I call teamwork as usual. And you know, we all know that it's where you show up at the at the company meeting, and if somebody leads a group, and you know, you get hats and t-shirts, and you're going to leave the meeting, and I'll go work as teams, and people's expectations get raised. And then um, for a while, things may be better. And, you know, you have your new hats and T-shirts about the teamwork. And, right. and, then, and then eventually, actually, things get worse because behaviors go back to normal because you really don't have the 
the skills to work as a team or the conditions in place to work as a team. And what happens in a team, and the reason I think most uh, many A players don't like to work on teams, is because you can only work in a team at the level of the lowest common denominator. Mm, right. Right? And so what happens is everybody on the team has to dumb down to that level. Mm. And that's not always someone's fault, right? Because someone right. could be working at capacity and they're just not the right person for the team or maybe they're their goals are misaligned with the team, but but, it, but people do have to dumb down to that, that lower level. Uh, and so part of um, the strategies in my book, the one that's the title, the No Dumbing Down Strategy, is really about how teamwork as usual hurts your organization and what to do about it. Got it. So is, in a sense, are you kind of saying you're only as strong as your weakest link? Exactly. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And, and so A players want to work with strong, you know, in organizations with strong links. Right. Right, definitely. And now you're telling me, so the Fortune 500 companies, the Inc. 500 companies that you work with, they're all experiencing the same issues? Yes, they all experience the same mm -hmm. issues. Now, when companies are growing, and most of my clients are tech, tech clients and they're mm -hmm. in growth industries, not all, but that's the primary, it's the bulk because that's my history. Mm -hmm. um, um, when you're growing really fast, that growth can cover a lot of ills, right? So if your organization is not quite as efficient as it otherwise might be, or people are not quite working in their potential, um, you can you can get by with some of that. The, the problem is, as the company gets larger, um, it gets harder and harder to sustain the growth when people are not able to work at potential. Um, and it gets harder and harder to get the job done that needs to get done uh, when people are in situations where they're stumbling down. Right. Now, what's like the common thing? Now, you, you told me dumbing down is very common in business, but what's like the common reason why a company would reach out to you? Or is there a common thing? Uh, there are a couple of reasons people reach out. Um, I primarily work with CEOs and senior leaders. Uh, at least that's my entry point into an organization. Um, it's primarily referral or people I've done work with before okay. or people who've heard me speak. Um, so there's some connection with me. Um, and typically I get called in when there's a, a transition. So there's a CEO who's new in her or his job. Um, there is a, um, an event that's happened, you know, maybe there's a new uh, investor in the organization or the company has pivoted into um, sort of a new area for their products mm. um, or they're just growing really fast and they know that they need support uh, in order to make that happen in a way that's congruent with the promise that they made to their customers. Interesting. And, and how long does that process take to really turn that around? I mean, like what I'm curious, like what a leadership uh -huh. consultant really does. Like what's that process look like? What do I do? Yeah. So I'm primarily not working with people who, quote, need turning around. Mm -hmm. I'm working with people who are doing well, but both need and want to do better. Mm -hmm. Right. There definitely are consultants who focus in turnaround. And that's that's just not where I've chosen to, to make my mark and to have my niche. Uh, but what I what I typically do in an organization is one make sure that that the client is clear about what they're doing and why they're doing it, which is strategy work. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to do a you know a two volume bound um, document of uh, product market fit, right? Uh, right? But I I will ask the relevant questions to make sure that uh, seems to be on the right path. Uh, so to make sure they're clear about what they're doing and why they're doing it, and then work with them 
uh, in order to to execute on that. Right, and it's it's rarely the technical stuff that gets in the way. It's all the stuff in the sort of the white spaces of the organization. Mm. So it may be that, um, as we mentioned earlier, the teams are not working as well as they could be. It may be that the the internal aligned either with each other or with your sort of your external uh, resources, i.e. your sales group, um, so that you're, you're not all pulling in the same direction and able to support each other. It might be that you have processes in place that either aren't, um, well, let me, let me talk about something I call the SOP continuum. Uh, so if you think of one end of the continuum as sort of seat of the pants, and the other end is standard operating process, okay. what you want to, Right. What you want to do is have processes that are on the right end of that continuum for the situation that you're in. Um, so we often think, oh, yes, the company grows up. It needs to sort of move from startup to grown up. But I think you sometimes need to move back again, depending on the situation, because you don't you don't want to get overbound with process. That's what happens to sort of stayed old grown up companies that people don't really enjoy working for mm. because everything is like too process oriented. So making sure that you have the right the right processes in place for where you are um, and, and for your growth strategy. Um, and then also working with organizations around what are the tools in the organization. So um, sort of people, uh, process and tools are the three areas that, that I work in and I would say most leadership consultants do as well. Now Karen, what's like the example that you're most proud of? Mm. Can I give you two? Yes, go for it. Awesome. So the first one was one where I was the participant, which is uh, which is my work at Compaq, mm. and uh, you talked a little bit about that in the introduction. But just you know, walking into an organization at the age of 25, when I I I had a really good paying job in a in a in a stable company, but I noticed that the people I really admired from that company leaving and going to a startup, and so I followed them, and um, I was able to be part of this amazing team uh, that really. Um, uh, it just set the standard and and made possible really open computing. Uh, there's a there's a good book by Rod Canyon, who was the founder of Compaq, called Open, and a recent movie that you can get on uh, Netflix or iTunes called Silicon Cowboys. Mm-hmm. That really documents what happened at Compaq and and how sort of this little startup from Texas took on IBM and won, uh, and that it cha- it really did change the face of modern computing. Um, and so being part of that team uh, mm. and that experience, you know, we were, I mean, really, if you think about $111 million the first year and then zooming up to a billion, um, it, it was an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah, not that bad. Uh, in, right? And in, in part because we had no idea that was coming. Mm. <laughs> It'd be one thing if you say, okay, we need to get to a billion in five years, and so let's chart a path. But we didn't know. And so every day uh, was an adventure. Uh, but the other, the other thing. So I'm, I'm really proud of being part of that team, the contribution that I made, what I learned quick, from it. If I yep. may, Karen, are you in that movie on Netflix? I am. I You're am in that, that movie. movie. Oh, great. Yes, and I've only had I've had one instance where I walked in with a client and somebody said, "Oh my God, it's you!" <laughs> it's <laughs> I said, you. "What? What? What?" And they said, "No, I randomly watched this movie last night." Uh, they didn't. They didn't realize it was going to have anything to do with me or that I had been at Compaq and uh, yeah. then they recognized me and that, so that was fun. And it's um, Cowboys of Silicon? It's called Silicon Cowboys. Silicon Cowboys. Yeah. It's a little little camp because it was, it's, you know, it's about the 80s uh-huh. uh, but it was done by an Academy Award nominated director and um, it's, it's, it's well worth the time to watch. Got it. Yeah. Yep. 
play that next. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, so that's one thing I'm proud of. The, another company that I'm, I'm particularly proud of is a, a current client that's actually just gone through a, a big merger. Um, and what they've done um, really is to, is to figure out like the perfect product market fit. And then the founder, who was a technical founder, uh, hired a CEO who was a, a former client of mine who brought me with him. Uh, and they've grown this company, uh, you know, like triple digit growth for the last five years. Um, and they've just been, uh, they've just merged um, with a company about five times their size. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are, um, they have the sort of the best product market fit and opportunity, uh, I think, that I've seen in the 20 years that I've been consulting. And uh, just wow. being able to work with them to, to sort of sort out the rough edges and making that happen uh, has been truly rewarding for me. Yeah, well, you know, it's crazy. It's like the startups, it's almost like a fad amongst my generation now. It's like, that's where you want to be. You want to be in Silicon uh -huh. Valley. You want to be the new Apple. You want to be the new Amazon. Um, and, and that's where a lot of people my age are going to. Uh -huh. uh, what's the biggest problem that a lot of these companies face that you're seeing? Um, I'd say that there are two problems. One is um, you want to make sure that you don't run out of cash, right? And right. so making sure uh, that uh, and particularly the CEO has, uh, has their eye on the ball on that at all times um, is really important. Um, but the I'd say the the biggest issues tend to be Sort of where where companies get in their own way, so it's the as I was saying earlier the the not being aligned, uh, mm -hmm. the where 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 people um, or functions optimize for themselves rather than maximizing for the company, mm -hmm. right? So it's not about being the best marketing department you can be, right? It's about being the best marketing department you can be that's aligned with what the rest of the company needs, right? And so just yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me because I'm a big fan of Urban Meyer. He's a, the mm -hmm, coach of Ohio State sure. Buckeyes. And his big mantra is, is alignment, uh, making yes. sure that the offensive line coaching staff is in alignment with the special teams, with the defensive coaches, mm -hmm. just everyone being on the same page um, and being in alignment is so important to a company or team success. Um, yeah. What are a couple other things? I'm just curious. I'm trying to pick your brain a little bit. What are a couple other important things a, a new company, especially a new company, mm -hmm. should know when they're trying to launch their product? Sure. Um, so one thing I think is to hire the best team you can hire. And that sounds like something that's pretty obvious. Mm. Um, but um, at Compaq, we, we hire, we we set a vision for ourselves as being a big company in the formative stages. And so we overhired, right? Mm. We hired for people who could do the long-term job, not just the short-term job. Mm, okay. Now, that that's a risk, right? It's a risk both on the part of the employee who's coming in, but it's also a risk uh, on the part of the company and the and the investors uh, to, to pay up, to pony up early on to get that kind of talent in the door. Uh, but it, it just saves you so many cycles that you have to go through when you can least afford to do them uh, in terms of in terms of growing. Um, so I think I think that's a really important thing um, for 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 really young companies. I think a piece that's often missed is um, is all around accountability. Uh, and that's part of how you keep your alignment. 
right? Mm, right. Uh, I can imagine that uh, that Urban Meyer has some pretty serious accountability processes built in uh, at Ohio State. He needs it. And I think, right? <laughs> and I think that's really important in an organization too. And in fact, it's one of um, the CEO's primary job is to make sure that there is um, there are accountability processes. So it's not just good intentions, but that we have the behaviors to back up those intentions that we set. Got it. Now, Karen, what about a time when you were trying to help somebody out, when you're trying to be a leader? But as we all know, there are some people and some examples where they just don't listen. No matter what you do, you can't break through them. What advice would you give um, to a leader who's dealing with somebody like that? Yeah, so when I'm dealing with a leader that um, that won't take advice, then I know that that's not a good client for me, mm. right? Um, uh, in fact, the, I've only had to fire really one client in my life, walked away from one but fired one, and it was a case of somebody not walking the talk that said they wanted to do X but really did Y. Uh, and if you have that sort of uh, disjointedness at the top of the organization, it's going to be chaos beneath them. Right, people don't know right. what's real and what to believe and what to do and how to be successful, and um, it's really, really hard for an organization to succeed that way. Um, if if I'm an individual and I'm working in an organization like that, um, you know, I have to ask myself, if it's the right place for me to be or not. Hmm. I think we we self-select, of course, into the organizations that we work in, um, and I would imagine that that most of your um, listeners are not at organizations for the benefits they're there in order to grow and develop and contribute right uh, and you can't really do that to your capacity I you have to dumb down if you're working in an organization where um, uh, people you know don't listen or don't care so Karen you said at 25 you mm -hmm. left compact okay so how many no, years at 25 I went to compact you went to compact, compact. yeah compact that's how many that's, yeah how many years have you been um, doing what you're doing right now with one team? Yeah, I've been consulting for about 20 years. Um, when I when I left Compaq, I was fortunate enough to be able to just take some time off and figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I knew that my my job at Compaq at that point job with hundreds of people working for me and thousands of contractors and consultants all over the globe. I was in charge of all the physical infrastructure. And so I had a I don't know, a $55 million a year expense budget, and I did about a billion dollars worth of capital expenditures while I was there. But it was clear at, after 14 years my job was just gonna get bigger, not different, and I didn't wanna be doing the same thing for the rest of my life. Got it. And I was too busy to figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, so as I said, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to leave and take some time off. I moved to New York City, I took classes at Columbia, I went to a lot of different um, seminars and conferences and read a bunch of books. And, and then eventually I, I ran into my now husband, uh, Bob Moore, who's a psychologist. I'm an engineer by degree. Oh, and he, he was doing consulting psychology with CEOs oh. and organizations and uh, sports psychology with a world champion skydiving team. And wow. uh, so we decided to do this work together. And uh, we did it together for about 10 years. He retired, and I've been, been carrying on uh, in my way for the last uh, 10 years or so. So I'm going to go a little off track. Sports psychology for a skydiving team? Yeah, so uh, Bob has a really interesting background. Interesting. He, um, 
he wanted to learn how to skydive. And so he you know, went to a drop zone and made some jumps. And, and there was a, a team. Uh, that I didn't even know there was skydiving teams in competition, but there is. And it's quite, quite, a, quite a big deal. Um, and he, he said to hear them talking about how they were doing as a team was, was painful to him. <laughs> and so he, he went over and said, hey, I can help you guys be a better team if you will teach me how to be a better skydiver. There you go. Good trade-off. Yeah, and so that this partnership was formed, and the team, whose name is Airspeed, is still in existence today, went on to win 12 consecutive uh, national and world championships. Uh, and um, formation skydiving is sort of like ballet in the air, right? Uh, you're, you're falling through the air. You're a number of prescribed moves that you have to make in a short period of time. Uh, and um, the way that this team went about learning how to do that, and in particular debriefing, what they had just done and how to do it better the next time uh, became sort of a laboratory for him, for Bob, mm. uh, that he could then apply back with corporate clients. You know, Karen, I think I've been doing the wrong sport my entire life. <laughs> What's your sport? I've been doing basketball and football. I need to be doing skydiving. Uh, well, it's a, it's a very different thing, I'll say. I grew up in Texas, and so um, I grew up with football. Friday Night Lights High School was my high school. Right. That's a Permian. Mojo, and, Permian. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and so I, I grew up with football and certainly not with skydiving. Um, I did it once because it was a big part of my husband's life and I wanted right. to know what it was. It was fun, uh, but like many things, uh, you, if you want to be good at it, it takes a lot of time. And so I, I moved on. You didn't want to do it again? I would do it again, okay. uh, but, to, but to do it and to really do it um, in a way that would make you want to go every weekend, it, you know, you'd have to go every weekend. And right. I just had too many other things going on in my life. Got it. Got it. Well, smart. I think that's a smart choice, Karen. I'm glad I can still talk to you here today. <laughs> so uh, back to your career. 20 yes. years. 20 years of experience. How has leadership changed in those 20 years? Mm. I would say the biggest change is, is simply pace, right? Mm. And this won't be a surprise to anybody except um, I think sort of um, younger leaders who didn't experience, you know, the, the pace that was 20 years ago. I mean, people really didn't always work 24-7, 365. Uh, and I, um, I, in fact, argue in the book that it's really important for us to slow down uh, at times and sort of levitate and look at the bigger picture and take time off to think. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things that has, that has gone out of our lives today that we have to put back in because no one else is going to put that back in for us, right? Nobody will schedule time for you to think. You have to do it for yourself. Uh, but I think really stepping back and looking at that bigger picture is something that has changed. Um, it's much harder today for executives to make time to do that. Um, yeah. So in those 20 years, you, you say it's changed. Now, this is going to be a transition to my next question. Uh -huh. is, is leadership something you're born with or is it nurtured? Hmm. I think I think people can be. I think people are born with um, qualities that might attract people to them, right? We we all know children that uh, all the other children want to play with, right? Um, but I I think that that to become a successful leader in an in an organization, right? So not not just to be like the star quarterback on the team. We you've learned the skill. Right, uh, but to be a successful leader in a, in a corporate organization, in particular, um, there are definitely things that you learn along the way. And I think people they get really good at learning from their mistakes and learning from their successes about what worked and why and what didn't work and why. Um, go on to be really good leaders. 
um, one type of leader is a charismatic leader, you know, someone who might be born with that. Uh, but certainly there, there are many successful leaders who um, we wouldn't describe as charismatic. Now, Karen, I want you to finish this sentence. I am most looking forward to... What's next? What's next? I am, I am most looking forward to what's next. I'm all about developing and growing and um, uh, constantly sort of improving my skills in terms of what I'm able to offer my clients and how I'm able to add value. And um, uh, I have a really interesting mix of clients and new ones coming on all the time. And so I'm, I'm always looking forward to what's next. Definitely. And, and Karen, one of the last questions I'll ask is, um, this pertains just, I'm curious. You know, I, I've been in the position where I've been the head leader and now mm -hmm. I'm starting my, my career actually in the, in the real world and I'm at the lowest level now. You know, what advice would you give for young leaders coming into mm. a new corporation, a new company um, that want to help but just don't have that respect yet? Yeah, great. Um, so having, having been there, <laughs> been there, done right. that, um, what was... What was, what was big for me, and I think is big for, for many people sort of coming into an organization, is just this understanding that um, you, can't, you can't just work harder and get it all done yourself, and that people all don't, don't work or think like you. And if they do, um, you're going to have a lot of blind spots. And so having this aha moment of it's not just enough to sort of say, follow me, <laughs> right? Uh, but you really have to take time to get to know the people that are working for you. Uh, to know what it is that they're wanting out of their sort of tour of duty, to use the phrase from Lee Hoffman's Alliance book. Uh, you know, what is it, why are they there? Um, and how do you make sure that there's an alignment between what the organization needs and what they need? Um, and the other thing advice. I would say, and I think this is, um, is something I didn't learn until much later in my life, was just the importance of coaching and mentoring. Um, and so one of the, you know, you think about coaches and you think, okay, so they can help me develop a skill set, which is true, right? But it, you also need coaches and mentors to help you think bigger because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what the possibilities are, either in terms of your career or your current job or the ways to handle an issue or you, you don't know what you don't know. And so there are tremendous blind spots, which hopefully get smaller as we get more experienced. But having a coach and mentor just to help you um, and prod you uh, to think bigger and see more possibilities uh, something I think is very important for a, for a new or young leader. Yeah, I agree. And, and thanks for that, that answer, Karen, because sometimes you come in and you just think you know everything, but you really have no idea, no yeah. idea at all. So uh, great answer there. And, and so, uh, Karen, today we've talked a lot about leadership. Leadership has been a very common theme, obviously, because what you do. And now I want to know what your definition of a re-leader is. Yeah. Um, I would say a real leader is someone who first off embodies the vision. And so I don't mean creates the vision on their own or just espouses it, really embodies it, right? Um, and then they're, they're also someone who makes sure that there are resources, right? That's um, a, a big responsibility of a leader, but also someone who removes obstacles. Um, mm. So embody the vision, provide resources, remove obstacles. And I think if you can do those things in the organization, you can be a really successful leader. And of course, I'd have to say, uh, because it's us having this conversation, it's someone who doesn't allow dumbing down. Right. Right, definitely. Well, Karen, 
appreciate your time so much. We've learned a lot on this podcast already. I hope our viewers enjoyed it as well. Um, and with that, any last words you have uh, to our audience about where they can find more about No Dumbing Down or anything more about your services? Terrific. Thanks, Kevin. And just to say, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, so you can find me uh, at uh, karenwalker.us. That's my URL, K-R-E-N-W-A-L-K-E-R, karenwalker.us. And then on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's just karenwalker.us. Um, and the book, there, the book No Dummy Down is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, and you can find links to that on the site. And folks, you can also find this podcast at www.real-leaders.com slash podcast. It will be up there next week um, if you want to listen to this episode again. And folks, for Karen Walker, I'm Kevin Edwards. Thanks for tuning in to episode 16 of the Real Leaders Podcast. We hope you've been inspired. Always keep it real and stay tuned for tomorrow's podcast with Joanne Butchkowska-McCumber from Vancouver, BC. Thank you for your time and always... Keep it real.